Hey y'all, welcome back to part three here on a Thursday, July 7th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Must Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, as we wrap up here on a Thursday edition of the program, hope you guys enjoyed part one and part two today. Jam-packed show for you guys today, and this is a good one. It's a long one, but it's a good one. My cousin Sam returns to the podcast a few years away, and it was great to have Sam back on the program, FSU alumni uh, Sam. So we were able to talk a lot of SE, uh, ACC Florida State, um, State of College Football, Notre Dame, all that good stuff, um, Big Ten, SEC expansion, where everything's going. It's just a mess all across the board. So special edition of the full ride here on this Thursday edition, part three here on the program. Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, also joins us as he does at this time every single week. So it's great to have kind of a, a trio talking all things college football and uh, getting different perspectives and all that good stuff. And of course, we had some Tennessee stuff in there at the end um, that we had to discuss as well. But uh, all kinds of great college football discussion here as we wrap up on a Thursday. And don't forget, folks, you can watch this very program on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe and check us out there. Uh, don't forget, you can also... Uh, Email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Um, all kinds of ways to support the program. Read me, support renaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email and become a subscriber today. Sports renaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, all right. I think that's all as we wrap up here on a Thursday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on a Wednesday night here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this late on a Wednesday where it's not just Matt Green on the full ride tonight. No, it's a family affair. It is a family <laughs> affair. Cousin Sam making his return to the podcast, first time on video. Cousin Sam, Matt Green, how are y'all? Doing good, Chase. I think the last time I was on your show, I said Willie Taggart would be a better coach, uh, better hire than Dan Mullen, and that didn't really work out. Oof. Oof. Well, I don't think it really worked out for either at the end of the day. Yeah, no, no, but I guess enough time has passed to where, uh, you know, maybe people listen to what I have to say and, you know, maybe I'll say something smart. (laughs) Everyone was in on the Willie Taggart hire. I respect that you're owning it right there, right out of the game. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. Um, did I say Dan Mullen was a good hire? I don't remember. I feel like I probably did, right? I was probably on the Mullen is the better hire of that too. I think at least probably what he would do at Mississippi State, he'd be yeah. able to do at Florida, but he kind of did it, but for a little while and then just yeah, crashed and burned. Thought, we all thought Mullen was a good hire. You know, it just made sense with Florida. We didn't realize that just everyone just disliked him as a person. Like that was just, we didn't, <laughs> how could we know that, you know? I remember yeah, talking to Edgar. Oh, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, yeah, I guess unless you like cover it every day, then yeah, how would you know that? Well, that's the whole thing with Edgar Thompson, the Orlando Sentinel. I remember I had him on a few weeks ago and he was telling me about Mullen. He knows Mullen pretty well. And it was one of those things where Mullen's usually the smartest guy in the room and he knows that he's usually the smartest guy in the room. And that was my whole thing. It's like Mm -hmm. Mullen's just, he doesn't want to do the recruiting stuff, but like he, I, I think when Georgia fans and other people dunk on it, I'm like, the dude deserves a statue at Mississippi State getting them to number one is just insane. Like, I don't know if that will ever happen again. Mississippi state ever getting to number one in the country. Um, statue worthy. 
that's statue worthy in Starkville. <laughs> like I would build a statue for that. Ten and three Where? season. I mean, it was great season, but uh, I mean, I would you not give Statues? Gary Pinkle a, a statue at Mizzou for getting Mizzou to number one? It. I think we have to think about that you kind of thing. At least made Where, a few conference championships, right? Big Twelve yeah. and uh, and SEC. I don't know. I think Pinkle, it's a little bit easier. He was there for like fifteen years. What was more there? Like seven. Eight he was years close to a decade. Mullen yeah. was there for a while. I don't know. I think. He, I mean, he's the best coach in. Uh, in their history, I mean, unless you're I think, a big I think 2009 was his first season. Mm-hmm. So there you go, um, Sam. I, I, I like the Willie Tiger thing. It, I wonder if that's something with Miami fans if they're kind of worried about. It. It's like the last big Oregon hire that moved over to the state of Florida did not go all that great uh, in the state of Florida. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, both come in with a lot of hype. So and a lot of um, you know buzz on the recruiting trail. So. Um, you know, it's would you just have to see when they actually, you know, coach a game how it goes. Um, Absolutely. I think Crystal Ball's had a little more success at a higher level before coming over, but um, you know, we'll every situation's different, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. Well, we were arguing in the. Do you remember the text thread? The family, Matt, you you've known about this because <laughs> I've talked about it out loud with uh, the family group chat and. I there was we had a big debate I guess it was last summer where I was like Miami is definitely the sleeping giant of the three in Florida where we we had this whole debate of like who's got who should be the best program and who has the means to be the best program and I was like I just I don't know how it's not Miami they're just they don't have their stuff together but it should be Miami and lo and behold the billionaire pops out and now Miami's back they get crystal ball they assemble a super staff they take francis malagoa from tennessee they bring in two a five-star and a four-star quarterback in the same class this just it, it's preposterous what they're doing but miami just woke up they they have money that florida and have florida, they i think they're I awake say let's 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 wait till they play some games here before we're saying they're back right like, i mean i'm not saying they're back but they're awake miami is awake this is the most awake miami has been as a program i think in 20 two years 21 years i mean there is actual reason to be excited about this version especially with nil and where things are i think there is a they're in the texas a&m trajectory where it's like they're just going to have too many blue chippers to fail like it's just too many four and five stars for them not to go at least eight and four nine and three like they're the the floor is four and nine and three (laughs) it'll just be a very exciting Eight and four, nine and three. With It'll be nine and three with a bunch of NFL players. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. Did y'all see the ESPN FPI that came out today? I, di- I didn't see it, no. Yeah. Auburn's in the top 10 in ESPN FPI to start the year. Really? Auburn's yeah. in the top 10. I, that just blew my mind. I, I was looking through it, and they're, Texas A&M's not even in the top four. It's very strange. It's a very strange top five. Um, but I, I like the football power index. It's a pretty good indicator, but... Um, I seem to recall, I think either S&P Plus or FPI loved Mississippi State last year. And Matt and I were trying to figure that one out. Oh, I, think, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That were they, yeah, they had them as like a top 15 team. And that was just like, that's not happening. I think they were top 10. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. What, what did they finish? Like seven and six or something? I don't even, did they six and six? I don't think they got to seven. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It feels like they barely made bowl eligibility because they lost the Egg Bowl. And that was a fun one, but they uh, they could not block uh, Williams yeah. in the out on seven the edge. Six, yeah, finished seven and six last year. Four so they must have won the bowl game, right? Um, I'm guessing so because I think they were six and six in the regular season. I want to say, um, but yeah. So we've got a craziness like what 
happened tonight uh, before. Actually, hold on. We'll get into the ACC Pac-12. Uh, another handshake agreement because, folks, let me tell you, as much as we like to believe that, like, it, hey, these people have a lot of money. They're well paid. They're extremely wealthy. They have uh, very, very strong titles, very impressive titles. But it's the little things that remind you they don't know what they're doing. Where you see handshake agreement, where there is this olive branch that the Pac-12 and the ACC have thrown. It's a year ago, the alliance was built on similar grounds. And we're doing this all over again. Just different different people in charge. So it's that's going to be something. We'll talk about that in a second. Chase, you're not a fan of loose relationships? No, I am not. There is something different when you... I mean, as you know, Sam, there's something different when you put your name and you, you sign a binding agreement. There's like a... It's a little bit different than dating someone and being uh, being locked in in marriage. I think. So is that why you're getting married? You just need to lock that in? A contractual binding agreement? The, the contractual? <laughs> hey, man, you're locked in. Like you you want to go ahead and... Uh, you, you're engaged too. You can't give me all this grief too, man. You're You're doing the same thing i'm doing that's fair yeah well sam i mean he's well ahead of us matt he's got a you know it's funny too he named his child after me not chase because that's my not my legal name but that was a <laughs> that was a stunner that uh we have a lot of crossover because obviously fiance named sam samantha and now he's naming his son after me so it's a lot of a lot of crossover in the sam thomas and uh chase thomas households as of as of right now that's good stuff it is. So how many days until college football, Matt Green? We are 58 days till college football season. And I uh, had to come up with the best 58 of all time. We got a Florida mm-hmm. State guy here on the pod today. Mm-hmm. Got to go Peter Bulware. 1996, uh, ACC Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Consensus All-American that year. Uh, was fourth pick in the draft. Uh, that year. 19 sacks his junior season. Just Straight up baller, hmm. part of those great Ravens teams. You know, I'm I was actually shocked to find out he's not a Hall of Famer, uh, four time Pro Bowler, one time All Pro. I guess that's not necessarily a Hall of Fame resume, but I think of Peter Bulware just maybe because he's part of that amazing Ravens defense. But I mean, that's just one of the best players of one of the uh, best defensive players of all time. Those Florida State teams back in the 90s were just pro factories, like just absurd the talent they had on those rosters. Yeah, I think that was a uh, play to the echo of the whistle, as uh, Mickey Andrews used to say. So, yeah, they, they definitely did not take prisoners on defense. <laughs> um, it, that's funny. I wonder if part of the Bullware Hall of Fame case is kind of hurt. It's like the Lance Briggs thing where you don't want to be the other linebacker next to the all-time great with Brian Urlacher, where it's like mm-hmm. Ray Lewis is the, the Ravens guy, and you just you remember Ray and Bullware is kind of forgotten in that group. Is that... Well, he might be one of what what year did he retire? He might be one of those guys where um, you know, as more time passes, he'll get his due and you know It's been a while, right? Lance Briggs, uh, that's that's definitely a good example, but he was also like the same type of player as Erlacher, like inside linebacker, right? I think Peter Bullware was like a different like a pass rusher, so he wasn't necessarily like the same type player as Ray Lewis. Yeah. But yeah, and I think he was 05, I think is when they said he retired. So I think he had, I think shoulder injuries would kind of kind of cost him. So he's like a nine, eight, nine year career or so. He's been out for 17 years. <laughs> yeah, man, we're old. That is I don't <laughs> that's really alarming. I don't like that uh Peter Bulware has been out of the league for 17 years. I was not 
uh, gonna say it was yeah, that man, Asante Samuel's son is like in the NFL now, so it's starting yeah. say, uh, corners, good player. We're old. We're yeah. we're, we're past that. We are. Um, well, we have Cousin Sam on tonight because there's a lot of craziness that's happening in college football. Uh, folks are very well uh, informed as to what the madness is. Part of like I have this daily uh, confliction of like, do I just want to wait and just read the piece from Pat Forty, whoever, Pete Thamel, after it's all done and just get the information I need and just wait for the song and dance to be over and just the musical chairs to move around because... The daily updates, they're overwhelming. You get the Dennis Dodd stuff yesterday with CBS. And um, then you see the report that like that part of the like the Big 12 is trying to become the best basketball st- school in the country, best basketball conference in the country by bringing in the longtime Nets guy. Um, he has basically a primary basketball background. So it's like, oh, well, they do have Kansas. And you look at their brands and you're like, okay, that makes sense. It's a way to survive. Well, just because that is the other main revenue sport in college sports. So it's like, that makes sense. Maybe plant your flag there and that's how you survive. Um, and Baylor too. I mean, that's the last two national champions. Exactly. Basketball. So that makes sense, planting your flag in that, in that regard. But football is obviously still king and the biggest driver. And the ACC has this everyone now knows what a what is it grant of rights uh we've heard that terminology and i am curious as to what sam thinks about that but florida state is now in this spot where everyone just like they feel like an sec team like clemson florida state um nc state i think in miami too probably feel like the most sec uh type schools to move into the sec out of anyone in the conference but there's I'd also this throw Virginia Tech in there too. Virginia Tech as well. I would be okay with that. But you know what's interesting? I had a Virginia Tech guy on last week, and I didn't realize how many different conferences they've already been in. They've been independent. They've been in the Big East. They've been in the ACC. They were in um, something else, and I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But it was something else, and they've just become used to just bouncing around. So like, we don't care. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Like the attitude in Blacksburg is like realignment, realignment. We'll figure it out. We'll be fine. Um, but as a Florida State alum and fan, how nervous are you about the days ahead? Because you <laughs> don't necessarily have a home and you might fall out of the the power too, potentially. Uh, I'm not that nervous long term. Um, I think kind of short term. I mean, depending on how long this goes, um, how long this drags out for either joining the SEC or the Big Ten or how long Florida State remains in the ACC. Um, you know, the further away they get from a national title, then, you know, the worry is you don't want to turn into like a Nebraska where, uh, you know, a 18 year old recruit doesn't remember you ever being good. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think they'll have a decent season this year, but, uh, I don't know how it's going to take a while for them to get back to, you know, competing for national titles. I think they're definitely at least probably three years minimum away from from that level but i think you know florida state it's it's a national brand if if you look at whenever they play and um you know nationally televised games they even not being very good they still do great ratings um so i think it's it's an attractive school for either sec or the big 10 to potentially add in in the coming you know next couple years that's interesting. I just, 
I mean, we looked at it with the Notre Dame-Florida State game. That was a big deal. A lot of folks tuned in. Mm-hmm. That was really cool um, in Tallahassee. Like, that's become a, a good game. And you look at it, Florida State, I mean, great brand, obviously. The Bobby Bowden run is now, I think, underrated because folks, like, it. I really, I think we talked about this last week, Matt. It was just that, like, his dominance for that 15 to 20-year span is just insane um a lot of people just remember the end but they're like the records and the numbers and just the 10 win seasons is just preposterous um but the acc has this weird grant of rights thing that runs through 2036 and you have mystery schools who have reached out about finding ways around this and like having a we pay a little bit at a time of how much we owe to get out of this thing like what do you ultimately want to see happen though sam do you want to see the acc figure it out or do you want them to jump ship do you want them to get ahead of it kind of like what ucla and usc did and getting to the big 10 do you want them to get out as quickly as possible i I think at this point probably get out as quickly as possible i don't really know if there is like a long-term solution for the acc i mean absent you know notre dame deciding to join the conference which i don't think is going to happen um Especially, they, they kind of did a trial run uh, a couple years ago with uh, the COVID season where they were in the conference. And it doesn't seem like they had any interest in, um, you know, joining the conference full term, full, um, you know, with football after that. So I think, uh, you know, for Florida State to make sure that they don't fall too far behind with the, you know, the arms race where schools they're trying to compete with are making twice as much money a year. I think it's probably better that, um, you know, they they find a home in another conference uh, sooner rather than later, because uh, I think uh, I don't think it's going to work long term in the ACC. Um, and that's not just for Florida State. I think that's for the conference as a whole. What do you think, see, Matt? See, to me, the ACC seems like the most solid with hmm. of the Big 12, Pac-12, ACC. They just seem to have a, some of those brands. Be, like we're talking with Florida State, with Miami, Clemson, mm-hmm. even Duke and North Carolina and basketball. Like they seem, and obviously this grant of rights thing that, yeah. oh, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's really going to keep anyone from jumping ship. It's like money, money's not real for these people, mm-hmm. right? It's like the SEC will pay whatever they need to pay to get whoever they want from the, the ACC, right? Or or ESPN will pay the will pay that for the SEC, right? So I'm I'm just I'm not convinced. Like there's so many teams in the ACC that that do kind of fit jumping in the SEC, like because mm-hmm. people have kind of always hinted at Clemson and Florida State, maybe even like a Louisville uh, up there with Kentucky. But I, I feel like the SEC, you just know they're going to make a sexy move. Like regardless of what they do, like it's going to be sexy. If it's Duke, North Carolina or something or Florida state and Miami, like they're going to get one of the big time brands, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily convinced that the ACC is definitely dead. Like hmm. with the PAC 12, like the PAC 12 feels like it's on life support, especially mm-hmm. if, you know, if some of these teams jump into the big 12, if half the conference joins the big 12. So I don't know. I, I the ACC, it just it feels like it's on more solid ground than those other conferences to me. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, you know, overnight. It might take a while for that to kind of fall apart, but I just don't have a lot of confidence that we'll get to that, you know, 2035, 2036 when that grant of rights is up and you still have the same 14 teams that you currently have in the conference. 
Um, Cause I think at a certain point, you know, schools like Florida state schools, like Clemson um, schools, like uh, Miami, um, you know, they're not going to just sit by and let schools in the sec and the big 10 make twice as much money as them a year um, and be okay with that. Well, I read a really interesting piece. I forgot where it was um, yesterday that kind of that this might be the new model in college football. And this is what might save the ACC is that part of the reason that Clemson and Miami and schools like that, North Carolina want to leave and are pissed right now is that they've been kind of subsidizing the rest of the conference. So when y'all talk about like the brands in the ACC and like there, it is a strong conference. Wake Forest is small. Like you go up Syracuse small, like you go up and down the list of the schools that they do have. I think where the ACC is in trouble is that (laughs) there's no question who runs that conference and who brings in the majority of the money for that conference. So without Clemson becoming a superpower, without Miami doing what they do, Florida State doing what they do and North Carolina doing what they do they don't make any money. Like they're in, they're in trouble. Like if you remove a couple of those schools from the conference, that conference is probably worse than the mountain West. Like the Sunbelt is stronger uh, in a lot of ways. So I think they're the way to kind of get them happy is splitting up the revenue where it's not, we're not doing this equal revenue amongst each mm-hmm. university. The way to save the ACC is just like, Hey, we have to be honest about who's bringing the most money. And like Clemson gets the most and uh miami and florida state they're right here and nc state north carolina wherever it is but like they're not going to subsidize Pitt, syracuse um and duke football and stuff like that it's just that i think is the only way to like start the conversation of getting all those schools on the same page i i hadn't considered that but that is something interesting because you just don't think that all those schools would get on board with it but if you're awake and you're staring at like they don't have a choice like schools like wake are like well we kind of need y'all to stay together because we're not getting picked up by the sec or big 10 so if this goes south wake is a group of five like basically fcs school like they drop significantly and they're in like basically like sunbelt take us and we're just in purgatory so kind of like what happened to smu when the southwest conference closed down in the mid 90s they were left without a home. Rice was in that conference. People forget. And then you, so like when you make that drop and you are no longer in that power conference, the money making conference, things change on a dime. And it's really, really hard to get back to where you were. Houston's just now getting closer to that. But I, uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. What, uh, what do you think? I mean, if if that SEC can can steal Texas from the Big Twelve, then they can steal North Carolina from the ACC. You know, it's like the, I feel like that's because I think North Carolina is usually the brand everyone talks about. Like they basically throw their weight around in the ACC. Like they're they're kind of the the king of the the hill in the, mm-hmm. in the ACC. So I feel like if you can if you can poach Texas and Oklahoma, I feel like you have no problem poaching North Carolina. Like I just I, I don't think long term like uh, like Sam kind of said earlier. Like these these big brands in the ACC, they're not just gonna look around it's basically what uscu did like okay we're better than everyone out here we're not cool with northwestern and rutgers cashing bigger checks than us that's just Mm -hmm. that's just not an option and i think the acc teams are going to see that like we can the sec wants us like we're gonna we're gonna join the sec well the only reason they they're okay with it like the reason the sec schools are okay with vanderbilt cashing that huge check is because they are in the power too where they're cashing obscene checks 
So when the money is so crazy, you're like, all right, I guess we'll subsidize Vanderbilt. Like, that's fine. Whatever. We're still making an insane amount of money. But when you're not and you're looking at the graph and you're looking at the numbers and you're like, we're making a third of what the Big Ten and the SEC are projected to make. Like, that's a problem. And if you want us to stick together and be loyal for you guys, then like you're going to have to split this up and we're going to have to have some tough, honest conversations about who's valuable and who's not. It's interesting you throw North Carolina out because everything I've seen is just like NC. If they were to expand into the North Carolina market, the SEC that is, it would not be North Carolina. It would be NC State. And part of that is we got to think about the academics aspect of this. So the Big Ten, I think part of the reason Notre Dame would not go to the SEC and they would prioritize the Big Ten. It's just there is a lot of state schools, obviously, in the Big Ten, and that's kind of where they started things. But it seems like they are going to prioritize that more. And I think North Carolina's academic standards would push them more to the Big Ten than the the SEC. I don't know. It seems like that would be how it goes. If they do expand, North Carolina will end up in the Big Ten and not. Uh, and NC State would end up in the SEC. I could That's see it that. It's like. kind of like kind of like A and M. Like you couldn't mm. take Texas from the jump, so you took Texas A and M to yeah. the, the state of Texas. Like maybe you can't get North Carolina, so you get NC State, which is another obviously. Huge quarterback, player. you people forget. People forget for sure. Devin Leary, Philip Rivers, Ryan Finley, Sam. That's a thing. Uh, like in, Glennon, NC State. Mike, Mike Glennon. Mike is Glennon. That, like is that, I don't. Is that his name? That is. It's Mike Glennon. I think he's still cashing some NFL checks. That's <laughs> Mike Glennon. Sean um, Glennon. That was Virginia Tech, right? That was. Uh, okay, yes. That, that's where I was getting confused. But yeah, that was when every the, the every quarterback that. <laughs> every quarterback at NC State plays in the NFL. Jacoby Brissett. To, yeah. Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells loved him. Like that was a whole thing. I remember that anecdote. It's like he's a big Bill Parcells guy, and I was like, "What? What? Okay, Jacoby Brissett." And there you go. He, uh, I think he knew Bill Parcells, and Parcells was all about him. Um, Sam, you've got an idea though when it comes to the ACC. Like you, you did some research today. You did some <laughs> did some homework. You Very did, scientific. Yeah, you followed Matt Green's homework thing. He comes prepared. He's uh, I like it. You you knew what you were walking into here. So what do you got for us? All right. So yeah, so I got this list. I don't I don't know if you can see it. You can see that. There. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh, so I got. I was trying I to kind of graphics right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I uh, try to break out the ACC into four groups. So where, mm. you know, schools, where they would end up, not where they would specifically end up, but just, you know, schools that I think would be fine and schools that maybe not so much like, uh, like Wake Forest. Uh, so I got, <laughs> we're not picking the, on you, Wake fans. It's not, <laughs> it's just reality. We're not picking on do, you. Do you have Wake fans? That listen yeah. To I, hey, look, we, we ride and die for Riley Skinner on this program. And as Matt knows, like <laughs> oh, yeah. in our our ladies in our life know Sam Hartman was popular in the green Thomas household. Like uh, the women like Sam Hartman. Have you shown Alex Sam Hartman before Sam? No, nah, I wouldn't. I don't, I can't. <laughs> you got to do a drive by like. picture. I, I think Chase, I think Chase was a bigger fan of Sam Hartman than, than my got a man crush was. on him. <laughs> Dude, Sam Hartman. He's a handsome guy, handsome quarterback. Um, okay. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> back to the realignment talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so for the safe schools, I have Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina. Uh, I have the next category is probably safe, which I have Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, and NC State. Which I think Virginia, you could you could maybe say is belongs in the safe category. So in terms of safe, you're saying just 
power this two, I think, brand. right? This is like a yeah, good brand like, for a power I, two conference to get. Yeah, they'll make it. Mm. I'm confident they'll be either in the SEC or the Big Ten if mm, you know, we're, we're going the giant super conference route. Um, uh, and then I have the next category, Dicey. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what to think about these schools. Uh, I have Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Pitt. And then your uh, the last category, uh, the screwed category. So they're just hoping the the ACC stays together as long as possible, or you know they're doing they're getting big uh, settlements in court. Uh, Syracuse, Boston College, and Wake Forest at the bottom here. I would agree um, with that. I might throw Syracuse in the in the dicey tier just because like they are New York's college team, right? Like Syracuse, mm. it does seem like a bigger brand. Hold than- on, Buffalo Bulls, sir. They've been putting on a <laughs> clinic up there. Buffalo is, uh, uh, I don't know, man. I might put Buffalo up against. It's tough, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a tough one to rank too. It's yeah. interesting how we haven't talked about Georgia Tech at all. Like we're That's- talking about this ACC, all these in Florida and South Carolina, North Carolina, like. Georgia Tech's right in the middle of all of these. And SEC's like, no, we're not interested. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, uh, Virginia Tech, NC State feel like they'll probably eventually end up in the SEC. I think North Carolina, Virginia, Duke feel like Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And then Georgia Tech, I don't I don't know what to do with them. I, I mean, think they maybe- fall in the Sun Belt. They're out. Like, I don't – I really think if Georgia Tech fans, like, this Bring is back rough. Paul Johnson – I, I mean, the AAC before the Sun Belt, right? I don't. Is the I mean, AAC is, a thing after is this? The AAC better than the Sun Belt? I don't really know. Ooh, that's a good question. I think with what the Sun Belt's added and going into this year, I I don't know. I think and I would the put, AAC's lost too. Yeah, I think it's the Sun Belt. Yeah, the Fun Belt. Yeah, that man. that might be true. Honestly, Georgia Tech, man, they. Paul Johnson, I mean, he literally killed the program if they end up in the Sun Belt, like. <laughs> He's well, responsible. No, Paul Johnson. Hold on. That We're not doing this because I'm a Paul <laughs> Johnson guy. Sam, he has this whole thing. I'm like, no, Paul Johnson got them to an ACC title game. Like he was going orange bowling with Josh Nesbitt and Jonathan Dwyer. And just, ACC title. Yeah. Games. And they won one, right? Yes. They beat, uh, when they, they played Iowa in the orange bowl. Was that 09? Yes, um, I think that's right. I was freshman in they college. Actually won, although they, yeah. they vacated that title, right? So it didn't actually happen. Hold on. Okay. It, <laughs> let's of not like kick them when they're down. We have to at something. least have an honest conversation about Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech. He was still an exceptional winner. At It was an annoying brand of football, but that dude won. He won at Southern. He won at Tech. We're not pinning what happened to Georgia Tech after Paul Johnson left on Paul Johnson. Because if he's still coaching right now, they're fine. You don't look at them the same way. I, I promise you. Part of it is just that Jeff Collins is like, we're just going to we're going to recreate Georgia. And it's like, oh, you're not going to recreate Georgia. That's a bad idea uh, to but try. I think and- it's just because Paul Johnson just made tech irrelevant to high school recruits for like a decade. You're just like, yeah, well, I want to play big time college football. So I don't want to go play the run the triple option. Like it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. This like, this doesn't prepare you for the next level. If you're a quarterback running back, how that's Demarius Thomas and Stephen Hill, but it, well, Stephen Hill, like first no, rounder Demarius, Demarius Thomas. He also didn't recruit Demarius Thomas. Yeah, he just kind of got Demarius Thomas. He was on, Hey, he coached he was, him. 
He was definitely on that 09 team because I remember he against Georgia, he like just stiff armed, like just threw it to him. He just like stiff armed the corner and just took it 50 yards to the house. Paul Johnson was 2008 was his first season. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know. Yeah, they were good once every like six, seven years. Like he they would be like they were competitive against Georgia. They were beating Georgia on 70-yard kicks, like at 70-yard field goals as time expired. He did beat Georgia a couple times, for sure. I'll give him that. But they just – the brand of football just made that – It just made them so irrelevant. Like Jeff Collins, like like at least under Chan Gailey, they were getting the the Calvin Johnsons and Demarius Thomases here and there. Like, I don't know, they they were getting NFL talent in the 90s and 2000s. Like it was – it's pretty clear distinction. Once Paul Johnson took over, they were no longer getting big time recruits, like or getting any like respectable recruits. Like even though he did have some win loss success, I don't he's know. He's a hard guy to he's a hard guy to evaluate. And there you go. I mean, he obviously had a lot of success at the FCS level. And if Georgia Tech goes back to the Sun Belt, like that's who you want to bring back. Like let's let's do this. <laughs> There, like, there, that's a that's a valid point. I really think tech fans are in for a rude awakening. I think there's a very I think Sam's right, and I think they're a team that then Boston College. I think the number one Syracuse is definitely in Wake. There's no doubt Wake falls out. Like Wake is just completely screwed. I think there's a small school in FBS uh, in general. Yeah, I so. think so. I think it's like twenty five hundred students or something like that. Yeah, they're they're in trouble. I I oof. So what I guess what hat with Georgia Tech? I mean, is there any interest from the SEC to no. add them? Why I don't? I mean, they have all no I can market. Think of like, is, you know, allowing all the other schools in uh, the SEC to have you know more frequent trips to Atlanta in the regular season. Well, they already do the kickoff uh, Chick Fil A kickoff game to start every year, so they're in Atlanta anyway. And you don't need to. I don't. You just Tech does not have that draw. Like. Uh, Matt and I being from Atlanta we see like there's just no like mm-hmm. if you go up and down the list of like Georgia or even Atlanta fans like it takes time to find like if you go out in a bar in the middle of the night and in downtown Atlanta you're bouncing around Buckhead or whatever you're gonna see Georgia stuff you're gonna see Bama stuff you're gonna see Auburn stuff you're gonna see Florida State stuff you're gonna see Clemson stuff it takes a while to see Georgia Tech stuff it's just not they're not relevant in Atlanta. Like that's unfortunately just part of it. They're not relevant at all. Uh, Atlanta is an SEC, just power five, big time football town where a lot of transplants from other power five schools moved in, or they went to high school in Atlanta, went to college elsewhere and then came back. Like it's just, they don't have that footprint. And I don't think they have the brand to like the SEC is now the premier brand and they have their pick of the letter and georgia tech is just they're not there they have no it's just there's no money in bringing in georgia tech and georgia tech doesn't want that they're going oh until like you don't want to go in a super conference if you're georgia tech you don't want to play in the souped up sec that's a I mean, nightmare you'd probably rather do that than become just irrelevant and go to the sun yeah. belt though that's true you'd rather get those you'd would you rather win games checks. matt green or would you rather just get pounded every you'd single rather week? cash those checks is what you'd yeah. rather do that's, that's a fan choice be, but if you're a fan of tech. again if, you, if they're in the sec and it's a it's a 2018 conference or something like in there's two 2018 conferences in college football it's like if you're one of the teams left over you are just you are relevant you know you you're going to start to get some of those second, third tier recruits because you're actually in the SEC. Like, 
I'm sorry. Did I miss Vanderbilt getting those guys? Did I did I miss that? Did but I Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt doing they still got those checks, right? They did exactly. get the checks, but they're not recruiting. Like they're it's not happening. But if under this scenario, like what's gonna happen? Like I'd imagine Vanderbilt will get elevated a little bit because they're they're just still at the party, right? Like, would you rather go like if if I don't know, if Kansas State or or I don't know. Oklahoma State is just left out, or mm. I don't even know, like a, an NC State or something's left out. Like if Vanderbilt's just in the party, then I feel like some recruits are gonna are bound to go there. I mean, As, there might be a slight uptick, but I just don't see the path, the money difference, and just the academic standards and everything else. Like Tech is, they would get their brain speed, and they're so far behind on the money and recruiting aspect of the rest of the powers that be in the SEC. I just. I, I don't like, think it would go well. I think it's like the right Premier in. League, like uh, like the Premier League, like when a team relegation gets promoted to yeah. the top league. It's like no, now they have an influx of money coming in. Now they're actually they can get some of these good players because now they're playing in the Premier it's League. It's funny you say that because I when I saw someone talk about that, it might have been the uh, shutdown forecast guys who pitched this, but like I can't remember who it was, but. I'm all in on that. If that's where this leads, where like if you're bad, if you're like Vanderbilt, yes, where like the teams that are on the border and they are just killing it, like Boston College goes to the the new Big East and they're just going 12 and 0 for a couple years and the fan base is back and they're recruiting a little bit better. It's like, all right, you're back. You're in the you're in the SEC or the Big Ten for a couple of years and we'll see how you do. Rutgers, you're out. Boston College, you're in for a couple of years. That would be fun. And the pressure of not being bad and being relegated in these super conferences, that'd be must-see TV where it's like a la- a week 12 game where like Rutgers has to beat Illinois to not get kicked out of the conference. No one would no, watch I that would, game before. I'd be all in. I'd be all in I wouldn't in hate that. that at all. And that's the same thing in the Premier League. Like that yeah. becomes a separate storyline. It's like, oh, now these teams are fighting to, to stay in the league. Like that, it is, it is definitely entertaining. Well, oh yeah, go ahead, Tim. I mean, that's that's where it all seems like it's headed is headed towards uh, more like the Premier League. That that seems like the I mean, college football is like the most similar to the Premier League of all like American sports. And mm. I think uh, if, you, if you reach a point where, you know, we have these giant super conferences where there's like 25 teams in, in each one or 30 teams. Um, I mean, how are you supposed to schedule that? So maybe you do have a. uh you know, system where, you know, the bad teams are funneling down and the, the better teams at the, uh, the lower league, you know, you're bringing up to, you know, make more compelling TV. There's what? definitely a yeah. lot of parallels with European soccer and the college football model. And it's funny that they literally threw out this Super League idea like two years mm-hmm. ago and people just rioted. It was just mm-hmm. like, it was not okay with European soccer, but we're here in college football. It's like, well, yeah, we kind of always knew there was the haves and have nots anyway. Like we've always just been pretending that so many teams are competing on the same level. It's like, might as well just cut it out, cut out the middleman, stop pretending. Like, let's just, let's just put all the, all the big boys in the, in one, in one division of their own. I just wonder, and this is a fear of mine is I think folks aren't ready for this, but like Akron could just be a club team in two years where the group of five schools that are just getting checks and staying in business essentially because they're getting those check games from the power five schools at the beginning of the year like those are going away in a couple of years i think it's just gone um and once those are gone and we have these new leagues and it's really figured out 
I just wonder what that means. We talk about the Sun Belt. We talk about um, just teams being relegated. I just wonder what that means because those schools are going to have to make humongous cuts when they're not getting those SEC, ACC, Big Ten game day checks anymore. And I think, like, I, I just don't know how it'll work. I mean, the you might have to go to the FCS model where FCS, I think they have 65 scholarship players versus uh, the 85 uh, in um, FBS. Maybe that's what you do. You have big scholarship cuts and you just have a lot more walk-ons and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I think that's going to be something really sad um, that's not being talked about enough because folks don't care about the Mac schools and stuff like that. But uh, all those kids, 99% of those kids are not going to the next level. They're not going to play in the NFL and they're getting a free education at those schools. So I think what sucks is I think a lot of those free rides for those kids are gone. I don't think they'll exist in a couple of years, which is just going to be something that people don't talk about. It's like, oh, they don't make any money. And it's not the powers that be's responsibility to subsidize these other football programs. But it's also like you're still making an obscene amount of money and it's a net positive for I mean, America as a whole, because it's putting a lot more kids through college that may not have the means before that. It's also just fun. Like there is the regional aspect and action on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. Like that bums me out. That will be gone. Like I understand the games and like one of the things we learned from the COVID pandemic that we also cannot uh, overlook is that fans want meaningful games. And that COVID year, it was like, all right, Ole Miss, Florida, right out of the gate. Let's go. And an all SEC schedule was hugely appealing. Everybody was like, awesome. We don't have to have this made up game. Like Florida state doesn't play Jacksonville state one weekend. And you're just like, we're getting this off the calendar. No one wants to go watch this game. And you understand that. But on the flip side, man, that does a lot for those kids. And it does a lot for those programs. And I think it's just a net positive overall. And it's like, if that puts a bunch of kids through school and it helps a bunch of people out all across the country, I mean, I don't know that that part bums me out. No, I hear you for sure. And I think we said this, that, that at the time that mm. 2020 after 2020 happened, like the SEC was going to figure out this is really all we want anyway. We don't really mm-hmm. want to play Charleston Southern and all these whatever, uh, you know, FCS schools and everything. I could see the Akron's and the Miami of Ohio's of the world surviving this, but I think, Working at the College Football Hall of Fame, I might should know this number off the top of my head, but I think there was something like 780 colleges playing college football, right? And mm-hmm. in all levels, NAIA and everything. It's like if you're if you're just banking on one check from a, a huge school to to fund your entire program, it's like you probably don't have a real legitimate program to begin with. Like, let's just be honest. So I could see like this maybe killing Division Three, Division Two football, but you know, maybe some of those bigger FCS schools, the, the, um, oh, who I'm like the Montana Montana of the world. Yeah. The, uh, who's the one in the old, like old dominion, I guess they're division one. They're Sunbelt they're now. Yeah. Yes. Now. So it's like those type schools, James Madison, like maybe they can they still just moved up too. sustain. Oh, is that right? They're in the Sunbelt too. Sunbelt's just Sun gobbling Belt, up everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's getting great. So, you know, I could see some of those schools surviving because there is some level of just relevance. Like you said, like those Wednesday night games, Thursday night games, like 
those TV contracts with ESPN can still be funding that conference, right? So, yeah, like I, I do hate because there's going to be some casualties to to this just power five or power two playing only each other. But I think ultimately that's that's what the fans want. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, but something's going to happen. There's got to be some sort of, you know, repercussions from it. Sam, what's your gut reaction? What do you think ultimately happens with Florida State? What do you think they do based on this administration and what you know about where their heads at? I mean, they just pulled away Link Jarrett from uh, Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. So you have this premier basketball program, which like Leonard Hamilton, he's just the guy minding his own business. Lottery pick after lottery pick, Scotty Barnes, Patrick Williams, Jonathan Isaac. It's fine. No big deal. I'm just going to keep pumping out lottery picks. And He's just chugging along, and I think they should be pretty good this year. They got a big international prospect, so I, I wonder where their heads at because money has been a big thing. Like I've uh, talked to Ingram Smith on this podcast about it. Um, obviously, Bud Elliott's really plugged in on Florida State, and hearing like where the money issues are and the donor base and stuff like that. I wonder, from your perspective, where are you at? Do you think they make the jump to the to the SEC at some point? Do you think? They the ACC Pac-12 uh, handshake agreement for some sort of, which I still don't understand. Like they the winner of both conferences would play each other in Vegas to become the super conference champion. Like I don't understand how that works, but all right, I don't know what we're gonna call that winner. But does that like guarantee a playoff spot? I don't know what that would even entail. Do we just change it to the Coastal Conference? Oh, <laughs> I don't hate that. The Atlantic and the Pacific Division. I yeah, can get I, behind the Atlantic and Pacific Divisions. The Atlantic and Coastal, we never learned those divisions. But no, I can no get one ever did. Atlantic Hold on, Sam. You're someone who literally is heavily invested in ACC football. Could you name who is in which conference right now or a division? Yeah, I could do that. Okay, right, let's do it. All right, let's see if you can All do right. it. Cousin Sam, you're on the clock. Coastal All first. Right. Coastal, okay. Uh, Miami, Virginia, North Carolina. Duke, Georgia Tech, uh, Pitt. Is that, is that seven teams? That is seven. Maybe Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Pitt. Did you say Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. We did it. I. You couldn't. Get, I'm telling you, man. It's crazy. Virginia Tech. See, like it's just no one remembered this. Coastal Atlantic. Like what? What are we doing here? Divisions are just. They're so yeah. Like, it's, they just didn't want to do it north and south because then it was essentially old ACC versus new ACC yeah, if they did it that yeah. way. And it, it'd be fitting for the ACC to, when they finally get rid of the divisions, then the conference falls apart. <laughs> that would be the most And that's what's going to happen with all, of, with, with all of these super conferences. Like, where it's going to be 2035 and be like, you know what? It might make more sense if we divide our super conferences geog- geographically. Yes. But yeah, that's what, that's what the conferences were to begin with. Yeah, they're going to reinvent conferences and divisions is what's going to happen. So we're going to have like the SEC division within the SEC, like the Southern Division and the SEC. And then we're going to have like the PAC, the Pacific Division in the Big Ten, which is like Cal, Stanford, USC and UCLA. That's because I do think it's just like the streaming services. Eventually, Mm. these are all going to just be owned by the huge companies. And then we're going to be flipping the channels. It's it's just going to all be it's it's going to reinvent the exact same thing we had. From yeah, yeah just gonna, more confusing. They're going to rename the, the SEC to the ESPN conference, <laughs> and the Big Ten can be the Fox conference. Exactly. 
but who cares like it's not gonna make sense like i would rather do that because like what sense does it make like the big 10 with the 35 teams is that what we're calling it in the sec figure out how to how to keep um hiding the number in their uh in their uh logo yeah Mm -hmm. they're stressing the big 10 ten these days it's Mm -hmm. like don't don't think too it's the word 10 don't think about the number 10 (laughs) i remember the first time i saw the back when it was just um uh, when it was 11 teams, when they had mm-hmm. the 11 hidden in the logo, <laughs> it blew my mind the first time I noticed that. Yeah, that was great. I, I was, I was, I was equally as blown away. <laughs> Best logo of all time. Ooh, it's up there with the Montreal Expos and the Milwaukee Brewers. It's classic. oh, you're just doing it all across the board. Okay, it was a great logo. The Brewers is, it blew my mind when the Brewers logo when I found out that that was an M in the mitt. Did y'all exactly. did y'all always exactly. know that? That's I what did I'm not saying. always know that, no. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't know that. And then you see it and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I never noticed that. And then you can't unsee it. It's pretty cool. Um, well, what do you think happens, Sam, ultimately? Uh, you can become uh, clairvoyant cousin Sam tonight. Like, what do you think actually happens to the ACC in the coming days? Because I think this will get cleared up. I don't think a lot of these schools want to be left behind. So I think there's an impetus. The fact that we're seeing so much talk about media rights and like, oh, we're like the part of the PAC 12 ACC stuff is that like, Oh, we can redo this deal and we can get on with ESPN and we can figure something out. I think there's a strong impetus that like Phil Knight's in the room now and all these other big donors are like, Hey, we're, we're taking care of this. We're not dragging this out to 2036. We're not, we're not doing this at musical chairs and just the will they or won't they for the next decade. I think this will move faster than a lot of folks are expecting. So with that being said, what do you think they is the ACC here next week? Is that still a conference? <laughs> Are they partnered with the Pac-12? Do you think that handshake agreement is something that happens? What What do you think ultimately happens to the ACC? Uh, I don't think the Pac-12 partnership happens. I'll, okay. I'll get that out of the way. I think that's just you know trying to throw ideas at the wall and see what sticks. Um, I think the ACC, uh, you know, in the short term it's fine. It's, it's still going to exist. It's not like the, the ACC is going to just cease to exist in, you know, the next year or two. I think eventually, um, you know, the next couple of years, I think probably as schools try to figure out how to get out of this grant of rights, I think it'll probably be some collection of uh, Florida state, Miami, Clemson. I mean, maybe North Carolina, I could see them fitting in either the SEC or the big 10, um, you know, a collection of schools that that end up in in the SEC because I think the SEC too they'll probably want to play some some defense with the Big Ten. Where, as we saw with USC and UCLA, I mean, geography doesn't matter anymore. So, I could see the Big Ten trying to add schools in the South to try and get you know on the SEC's turf for uh, you know um, for their footprint. Um, so, I think the SEC could be receptive to those schools wanting to join the conference um, just to make sure that they keep, you know, they lock down Florida, uh, you know, South Carolina, you know, get their foot into North Carolina to prevent the big 10 from trying to get into that region. I guess as far as like the big 10, I think they'll eventually add schools in the ACC as well. You know, maybe North Carolina, Virginia, uh, maybe Duke, Stuff like uh, maybe Georgia Tech. I don't know. Schools like that. Um, They'll probably won't do anything until Notre Dame decides whether it wants to join or stay independent. 
I mean, they're really in the best situation out of anybody. I mean, they can just say, we're going to stay independent and, you know, all the other schools or all the other conferences can't do anything about it. And they still might get their own access to the playoffs. So they, it's almost like they hold all the cards to, to everything. I just feel um, like Notre Dame, the only way that they join the conference is if they put a playoff mandate where it's like you cannot compete in the college football playoff without being in a conference. Yeah, I mean, people are talking about whether or not they'll. this is now when they're going to join the Big Ten, and I think there's a better chance than there might have ever been, but they still still don't have any reason they have to join the Big Ten. They can still remain independent and pretty much do what they've always been doing. I'm rooting for the ACC just for the hysteria. Can you imagine if it it broke tomorrow morning that Notre Dame has put in papers to join the ACC and they're just going to partner up and expand and they're just going to uh, pilfer some other schools and they're like, we're coming back. We're, we're building this thing. Like, that would be hilarious. Like, Notre Dame could throw a huge wrench in this if they wanted to. They were just like, the ACC was good to us. They let us play in the conference in 2020. We're obviously in it for every other conference or every other sport. Like, we'll just go ahead and do that. And there, everybody else is like, oh, whoa. I think, I don't know if this is a strong take, but I think Stanford and Cal end up in the Big Ten in the next week. And then I think um, Washington and Oregon end up in the SEC in the next week. I think both schools end up in the SEC. <laughs> See, I'm rooting for the, well, for, for one, we know yeah. something's going to happen tomorrow because that's just yes. what happens. That's what happens with, with on our show. show. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm rooting for the ACC because I think the the healthiest version of college football would be like four 16 team conferences or something. And that's still in play folks. Like that it we is, should say, but four SEC conferences, and Big yeah. 10 are at 16 right now. So it's like, they can't really add anybody for that to necessarily stay put. So I feel mm. like the ACC feels like they're on solid ground. If they could, you know, maybe they want to add some teams from the West coast or maybe they, you know, wanted to add a, a, a Kansas or a Kansas state or something, you know, Oklahoma state. I don't know. But like if, if they could just get a couple of good brands in their conference, there's a chance that they can hold on. But it's like if, if a couple start getting poached away, if like Florida State and Clemson get – especially I think that was a good point you made, Sam. Like I've seen the Big Ten flexing that now they have the three biggest TV markets in the country with New York, Chicago, and L.A. Like it only makes sense to try to just extend down to Miami and, and Florida State too. I think that mm-hmm. would be a, a game changer – not only for the Big Ten and who's conference supremacy, but also like if they lose, if the ACC loses Florida State and Miami, I feel like the conference is done. It's like I feel like that's like the chink in the armor, and now the floodgates could open and Virginia, Virginia Tech, Clemson, it, it's all up for grabs after that. So I'm rooting for the ACC just because I could see a, a version where we have you know maybe a, a merger with the Big Twelve and Pac Twelve. You know they kind of take. I don't know who takes who if the Big 12 is uh, consolidating with the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 is consolidating the Big 12. But I could see a version of the playoff that because I think the the playoff is going to eight teams regardless. And so I think a version of the playoff with eight teams and four automatic bids, I just feel like that's a healthy version of college football. And it's like it because four automatic bids from these four major conferences, like you're not worried about you know, the AAC or the Sunbelt getting on my automatic bid. I think, I think the big time conferences could sign on to that better. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily optimistic that that's what's going to, going to be because it's starting to look more like we're going to see the just 20, 24 team conferences in the big 10 and the, and the SEC. And it's just the, the NFC and the AFC essentially. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that's necessarily like healthy for the sport, for the long term health of the sport is to have these big super conferences, I guess. And even with like, uh, you know, Florida State specifically, I mean, if there's a way to make it work in the ACC, I mean, there's there's definitely advantages to being in the ACC. Um, I just don't with the financials. It's just it's almost like it's too big. to It's it's insurmountable like you. If, if they have an opportunity to leave, I mean, it's, you don't really have a choice. You have to take it. And, um, I don't think it's, uh, if you had all these healthy conferences, it would be great for the sport. I mean, I think having a, you know, healthy pack 12 would have is, is healthy for the sport, but that's not going to exist without, you know, USC and UCLA. So, yeah. The more I think about it, I wish I remember there was a few years ago, there was the rumor about Texas and Oklahoma going to the pack 12 like, I almost wish that would have happened. It feels like that could have created a more balanced, like, four regional, you know, kind of just power conferences or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. With the SEC just being as stacked as it is, it's hard to see. It's hard to envision more than just two power conferences. And, and like you said, I'm not, I don't really know if that's, if that's what we want for college football. And Notre Dame, yeah. if, if, like you said, if, if uh, Chase, if, if the Big Ten, because that's who I felt like Stanford and Cal were the teams that were getting left out, along with mm-hmm. Oregon State and Washington State. Those seem to be like the four that well, the reason I think they get the thrown in is scheduling. I think you have to have some other the USC and UCLA cannot be the only West Coast teams in the Big Ten. That cannot happen. So I think that's they're a good gonna point. I don't I don't see a path where that's the case. They have to have some local games. They have to have but some then, close games. Yeah. Well, and you also then you would have Stanford and USC in the Big Ten. It's like mm. Notre Dame. What are you waiting for? Like yeah. you're just not going to be yeah. a Big Ten team, but you're going to play Stanford and USC and Michigan and Michigan State and Indiana. It's it's like absurd. Just join the conference already. I um my gut tells me the ACC is going to find something, and I think the fact that the Granite Right stuff exists is going to keep them in play for stuff. Like they have more leverage than the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is the one where I'm like. I don't think they have any leverage to do anything. And the fact, and I think the the fact that the big 12 is looking at building like the super basketball conference, I think they're going to get those six teams like the Arizona, Arizona state, Utah, Colorado, they're going to pull. And if they do that, the pack 12 is over. And at that point it's just, it's over. And then you have a power four to what Matt's saying. We're like, I think that's a possibility. I also think where people who are really concerned where it's like the Big Ten, the SEC will just be all the super conference. What people have to understand is that part of the downfall and what other schools saw about playing an SEC only schedule or a Big Ten only schedule in 2020 was like teams that usually go six and six, seven and five. We're going three and nine, two and ten. And somebody that gotta lose those games. Someone has to lose those games. And I don't believe they have the stomach for buildings as much money as they are going to make in the super conference, you have to have some, some cupcakes. You have to have the cows and the Stanford's like you have to bring in those teams because certain it's not gonna be wake. I think wakes too small, unfortunately, where like they still won't have a seat at the table, but I do think the not premier brands, but the, the C's and the B's will find their way into the super conference more than folks might expect because Ohio State wants some of them. Like Michigan wants some of them in this conference. You do not want to have a situation where Ohio State has like Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, USC, 
um, Washington or Oregon all in the calendar in the same year. Like they don't want that. Like they have no interest in that. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more of that. And I think the 30 number for each conference is actually more likely than like 16, because I think if we get to that point, they're gobbling up an entire conference basically. And that's probably the ACC if they do that. And they split the ACC two ways, big 10 and the SEC. But I think as of right now, I think we're going to have a 10 year gap. I think the ACC is going to add a couple random teams. I think everyone's adding. So who stays alive? So who are they getting though? Who are those teams? Like, where are those teams? Are they? I mean, UConn probably is in. So you add for the basketball front, you bring in UConn, you probably bring in, um, I don't know, USF. Like Memphis or something? Memphis, maybe. What Um, what does that do? It's not, it's just adding, it's just assets. It's just like (laughs) adding some people and you're just like, we're just throwing stuff at the wall. Like, Boise might find their way into the ACC. I don't know. Like, that would not surprise me if they make a call. San Diego State? Like, I have no idea. But, I do think that's kind of where it's going. I, I think the, the Big ACC 12 is going to get a Power Five school before they're going to get San Diego who? State or something, right? Who's available? Who I'm is going to the would, ACC right now? I don't I think, think they, they would can pull a Power Five school. Really? No, I don't think they can. I think the teams we haven't really talked about the most, who I kind of think could be the the dominoes to kind of just keep the whole thing. Cur- going is Oregon and Washington Mm. like it feels like Oregon and Washington are the only like assets or entities from the Pac-12 that that like everybody wants Mm -hmm. it seems like you could no one really yeah Cal Stanford whatever you know who Arizona Arizona State like no, no one's really getting excited about anyone but Oregon and Washington and I feel like if if the Big Ten get Oregon and Washington like you said, kind of to get someone to pair in the West Coast with UCLA and, and USC, I think that's should, that's going to show the SEC like, okay, we can't be done yet. Like mm. now that they're going to Oregon and Washington, now we have to go get Florida State and Miami or whatever the case may be, Duke, North Carolina. Like they're they're going to do something. I think if Oregon and Washington can stand tall, like and stay in the Pac-12, and maybe the Pac-12 poaches some of the the. Oklahoma States and TCUs of the Big 12 or something, Kansas. Like that's I think the only way the that the Pac-12 can really survive is if Oregon and Washington don't jump ship. But I think if Oregon and Washington are, are out, then I think I think the the boulder just kept rolling down the hill even faster. Well, I think that's it. Like Oregon, Phil Knight, it's already out there. It's like he wants to be in the SEC or Big Ten. Done. Like that's it. Like that's all I had to see where I'm like the Pac-12 is over because Oregon does not want to stay and be the leader of this conference. Like, and if they're out and Washington's out, like you said, Matt, like the conference just can't, they can't survive. So I think the PAC 12's out. And then I think the big 12 survives and become a power. Like, you know, what's weird. It's going to be like the power one for basketball, potentially like they, the football season, will get through it. But pa- basketball season, like we're running this with Arizona and company and Kansas and the premier brands there. But um, I don't know. And the ACC is just going to like survive by, scheduling luck basically where their grant of rights just really worked out and then maybe a little bit at a time they get pulled apart like maybe one school leaves like maybe clemson uh not clemson they're probably the biggest like maybe maybe north carolina and nc state are the only two that dip they get out and nc state winds up in the sec and north carolina the big 10 or something i don't know i think it will be incremental damage the ACC I don't think it's going to be like the ACC implodes but I think it's silly to believe that all five are left standing like two weeks from now I just don't see how that happens 
Yeah, I don't think it's possible. And and like you said, I really I don't know what this does in all the other sports. Like I feel like this yeah. all kind of makes sense in football. We like know there's a clear like hierarchy of who the good programs and good conferences are and everything. Like that's not the case in basketball. Like 64 teams make the tournament. Like you don't even know which conference is the best year in and year out. Like oh wow, had a little, little thunder. I don't know if that you heard was that. Well, but, uh, got some uh, ASMR going. I like it. Yeah, so like Gonzaga or something, do they end mm. up in the Pac-12? Like I don't know. It's I I feel like when you start talking about all the other sports, it feels like all this super conference realignment everything should almost just be exclusive to football and let all the other sports keep doing what they're doing. Well, I mean, UCLA and USC aren't moving outside the Pac-10 or outside of basketball and football. The rest of the sports are staying. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, see, I didn't realize that. And that makes sense. It just doesn't seem feasible for your soccer team to to go to Champaign, Illinois to play a, a Tuesday game. and then back yeah. to like like the traveling schedule for non-revenue sports is crazy. Uh, I don't know. Sam, were you about to add something? It's just that, I, yeah, I don't really know what happens with all that. It's with the basketball. I mean, you can just tell how much like all this stuff is football. I mean, Duke's probably like the biggest basketball brand there is um, in college basketball. And whether that's like, tv or just name recognition and you know they're on like the the maybe list for mm-hmm. what conference they're going to end up in um i think like uh i think with the acc though i think if if schools from like north carolina start leaving that's kind of when you know the conference is in trouble um because that's really like kind of the that's like the los angeles for the Pac-12 is, you know, North Carolina, maybe Virginia schools as well. That's like really like the heart the, of the, you know, ACC footprint. So if, if, you know, North Carolina and Duke or NC State decide they're bouncing, then it's, it's only a matter of time before, you know, all the other schools that have options are trying to leave and end up leaving as well. And to me, Duke and North Carolina seem like a package deal, like with Oklahoma and Texas and mm-hmm. USC, UCLA. It feels like wherever they go, they're going to go together. And that's why, like, you're talking about the Big 12 being the premier conference in basketball. Like, the SEC has been a very good conference in yeah. basketball the last few years. Add Duke and North Carolina to that? Like, that's a premier basketball conference right Yeah, there. for sure. So, And I just, like I've said before, like, Greg Sankey's going to make the sexy moves. Like, the SEC is going to make big time, big boy moves. So, yeah, I, have, I I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be big. I would say, too, and, like, here's a PSA and, like, something I feel bad about Pac-12 fans. Where Pac-12 after dark is the thing, right? Like, everyone's just like, oh, i got to watch to see what's happening late on a, with a Cougs game or an Oregon State game. And, you know, they're fun. They have their ups and downs. But, like, ultimately, they are a victim of being in the wrong time zone. Part of the issue with the Pac-12 is something they cannot fix where you can't do the nooner. So they're not on when college football starts. Like right after game day, guess who's not there? The 9 a.m. kicks in Southern California, Cal, Oregon, Washington. And then most folks are pretty tuckered out by the 7 o'clock SEC ESPN game or the ABC game. That's it. They're out. And if you're not on that ABC game at night or you're not like... The Pac-12, when you look at the television stuff, I'm like, yeah, they're at a disadvantage. Like the Pac-12, it should be harder. There should be a discrepancy because they're in a bad time zone for college football. Like that is, they are in a rough spot where like most people don't watch their games across the country because the most amount of people 
live on the East Coast in those major cities, like in D.C., in New York, in Miami, in Atlanta, they're all in bed. Or it's just like they, they can't watch them at noon when college ball is ready to go because it's 9 a.m. over there. So I, I feel bad because the Pac-12, I think something that's overlooked with that conference is that they were dealt a bad hand by geography and time zones. And I, I think that's part of it. I think they deserve some, like they made some bad decisions, but like ultimately it was always never going to be as profitable and as many eyeballs as the other main conferences because the time zones just limit what they can be. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. It's just kind of bad luck. And and I also, this is just a personal theory that I've had for a few years. And, you know, you don't know if, you know, correlation is not necessarily causation, but I've always thought the biggest appeal that USC had was they were the pro team in a huge market like Los Angeles. Mm. And now we get, they got the Rams, they got the chargers. If USC is a middling conference team, they're not really interested. Like they're, Mm. you know, they're, they don't live and die with it. We've seen Knoxville. It's been a, it's been a while (laughs) since Tennessee was competing for conference or national titles you wouldn't know it if you if you just looked in Neyland Stadium on a random Saturday. Like they pack that place out. Same with Lincoln, Nebraska. Like they pack mm-hmm. that place out. They love football. USC is like, uh, the football team's not that good. I could I got I got something else I can do. I mean, Miami's the same way. Like that's something that will always be a problem. It's like, hey, do I want to go to a game and watch six and six Miami or do I want to go on the beach? Like they're Miami Heat. Like they're with LeBron. They're still getting there after the first quarter. They're still getting there faster. They're like, we'll they get were, there. They were we bouncing game six of the finals. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's the, it's a different thing. I, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. Um, Notre Dame, though. Sam, ultimately, do you think Notre Dame winds up in the Big Ten, SEC, or do you think they stay independent? I don't think they end up in the SEC. Um, okay. I, it's so, it's so tough predict them going to a conference they've been independent forever and it's i mean i guess eventually that that day will happen where they join a conference but i i think they would be one of the last teams to join if you know if their sec and the big 10 have like 25 teams and any like halfway decent program is in one of those two conferences i think notre dame will join but i think I think a lot more dominoes have to fall before Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. I think they just have they they have too much leverage right now. They don't need to join the Big Ten. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think there's zero percent chance that Notre Dame ends up in the SEC. I just hmm. it's a cultural thing. I just don't think like the SEC collectively has just hated on Notre Dame for way too long to, to have them join the conference now. You but. know, it's funny too. They all hate like the SEC fans hate, but then you see Georgia fans are like, we went to the Mecca. We went to go see <laughs> South Bend, Indiana. And they're like, what a, what a show. What a, what a beautiful stadium. What a time. Like they all were like, what a great venue. Had that so much true. fun in South Bend. Anyway, Notre Dame sucks. And <laughs> yeah, like, if there's anything that makes the SEC the SEC, it's the pageantry and tradition mm-hmm. and all that. And Notre Dame is obviously right at the top with everybody when it comes to pageantry and tradition. I mean, they recruit at the same level. Like Notre Dame would compete. Like Sam, our uncles would not agree with any of this, and we'd be like, "Oh, Notre <laughs> Dame and the Notre Dame and the SEC, they're getting clobbered." And it's like they're putting together top five classes over and over again. I think they're number two for this upcoming class. Like, no, they have the blue chippers. Notre Dame would be, be fine. Number one like, right now. 
Yeah, that's what. Yeah, so they're they would be fine. They would win a lot of SEC football games, and uh, you know what? All of them, all of our uncles, everybody else. You know what they would love to go see? Tennessee and the Notre Dame. Like they would love to go to South Bend and watch Tennessee and Notre Dame. So it's like I've never understood oh, the hate. I've never understood the hate for Notre Dame. It's like we all understand that it's this amazing pageantry and like this really cool history and everything else, uh, perfect uniforms, all that kind of stuff. And you would love to have an excuse to go there. So why do we why do we pretend like they're just not this cool super this just super cool entity in the sport? Well, there I think you know about like why Notre Dame is irritating though. Like it's like a sitting up go. on their high horse type mm-hmm. of thing. Like not joining a conference. Like what is that garbage? <laughs> like join a conference. Everyone is in a conference. Like get out. Hold on, they Army own, friend of the pod, TV Jeff network. Monken, not in a conference. Army if Army, if someone tried to get Army in the conference, they would join the conference. Like I feel confident. Oh, I don't know about that. They were in a conference. Once someone was interested in BYU, BYU joined the conference. Hold on. Army was in like the CUSA before, right? I want to say they were in the CUSA. That sounds right. Yeah. They're they're maybe in that too. They're cruising. So I don't know. It's Notre Dame. I honestly, I kind of think, I do agree with you. Like it's, I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of at that point. Like if, if they join the SEC, then they'd be routinely playing games and getting that exposure in the Southeast. And I, I think that just would allow them to recruit even better than they already do. You know what I just realized? Navy or Army is going to wind up in the ACC in the next year. I think that's coming. I think I, I, I think that's happening. I think we're getting one of the armed forces in the ACC. I think that's ACC. if, if uh, you know, all the all the big schools leave the ACC, and I think that's who Wake Forest and Boston College are, you know, reaching <laughs> yeah. out. We got to get we got to get Army. We got to get Navy. See if UConn's available. Um, you know, that's. Uh, Hey, that's that's the way to lose. That's the ACC in 2030. But that's a real ACC. Those are all along the ACC coast. At least it would make sense geographically. Geography doesn't matter. How how long do we have? How many times do we have to say that, right? Um, I think that's the the number one way to get rid of your big-time brands. If they went out and added (laughs) Army and Navy next year, like Clemson and North Carolina are like, what in the hell is happening in this conference? We need to get out of here now. (laughs) Like things are bad if they're adding Army and Navy. Hold on. Army's a great program. Army, Jeff Monken's done great work over there. It'd be fun. You wouldn't want to watch it. Did you see that Army Wake Forest game last year? It was amazing. The back and <laughs> forth, like Wake couldn't stop oh, Army. Army couldn't stop Wake. Yes. Something? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that's that. That's must-see television, sir. That was I would an incredible watch it. game. Unless you like defense at all, that was an incredible game. No, I'm all about it. Um, Chase, well, you mentioned something. Maybe, yeah. if, maybe if the Big Ten adds Navy, maybe that's what will finally get Notre Dame to join the conference <laughs> that maybe that Keep would be cool game. i mean i'm here for it i i don't know we'll we'll have to see um i think notre dame stays independent i think like you guys until it actually happens um i'm not gonna not gonna hold my breath but matt on your front how do you think sam answered it how do you think it ends do you think we end up with four with two and everybody else is just in this weird group of five and they're not on the same level and they don't have the same number of scholarships and um, it's just not scheduled. And it's like this weird FBS FBS 0.5 and then FCS or what, what do you think happens? Uh, Well, it's, I feel like I just, I'm afraid. I think it's just going to be the AFC and the NFC and we're just going to get the big 10 and the SEC. And, and if that's basically going to be it, I, I, I don't, I feel like none of us have really talked about their, the idea of a power three. It's either a power four or a power two. 
power three just doesn't make sense. How that power five ever made sense? Like, mm. you know, it's not like a real clean number or anything, but like power three just, that seems stupid. Like we could never do that. <laughs> so that feel, it feels like we have enough good programs to have three conferences, right? If, mm. if the big, if the big 12 and PAC 12 and, and ACC kind of got together and had 16 to 20 teams, like that could be a really good conference, but that just doesn't seem like something's going to, that's going to happen. So I feel like if you're putting a gun to my head, like, what does college football look like 10 years from now? Like I tend to think it's just going to be like the big 10 and the sec. And then that, and that is FBS football. Then everything else is kind of a, a step below. I don't think that's where it goes. I think there's been a lot of pushback. I think they've seen the pushback. Like if you look at all of this, like college football fans are not happy about any of this. Like I think there is a significant, like <laughs> having talked to some folks, like, my guess is a lot of calls have been uh, sent to the president's office and the AD's office at a lot of these schools of like, Hey, what are you doing? What is happening? Can you stop? Uh, like is wait, like the wake forest fans are like, are we even division one after this year? Like, can you, can you stop? Like, I guarantee you that is happening all across the country right now. We're so even the big wake boosters forest bashing on this pod well, right now. We love wake. We're very pro wake. Um, it's more of like, I just imagine the big time boosters who are involved in NIL and who have a big say in a lot of these universities are like, Hey man, uh, we're not getting left out. And there are some big boosters everywhere. And they're, I, I guarantee you they are leaning on school officials that are higher up about like, Hey, we cannot have this situation where it's just NFC and AFC. Like we understand the TV aspect and all that kind of stuff, but like there has to be some sort of seat at the table for, a lot of these schools do like there has to be something and not leave them in this weird middle ground that I just, I think it would leave a lot of bad taste in the mouth of a lot of different schools and a lot of fans like around the country. That's a lot of people that you're just leaving behind and expecting those people to watch those big games. Cause that's the other part of it. It's like you want to remove the importance of an Oregon state, but you also want those Oregon state fans to watch Washington, Michigan. And if you discount their university and you kick them out of the conference, guess what? The pie is going to shrink. Like that is going to shrink when you cut out all of these schools. Part of the reason is they have this ostensible belief that their team can do it. Like we know the blue chip ratio. We know they can't win a national title, but you're still in a power five school where you feel like it's a possibility. But if you kick all of these programs out and you go to that two team model and you do the NFC AFC, I think ratings, which have already been going down every single year, college football attendance is going down every single year. You do that and you cut the pie that much more, I think ratings tank. So when you're attributing everything to ratings and TV, you're forgetting that people still have to watch. And you're forgetting that people, there are so many people in Corvallis, so many people in Pullman, so many people in Lubbock, so many people in Tallahassee that will be like, all right, well, then we're just not going to watch college football anymore. Like, why? Like, our team doesn't matter. We can't win a national title, so why would we watch Texas, Tennessee? Like, what? we're, we're not going to do that. NFL fans are okay with the NFL, AFC, NFC model because they're all in the same league. They all, like, every market is still in a Power 5 market, and they all have a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's not how college football works. It's always been a regional thing, and it's always been this silly belief that hey if we recruit well enough or we have the right quarterback or whatever we have the right kind of run we can win a national title or we can be like wake who has this 10 win season pit 
who has the right uh, guy, and they have Kenny Pickett, who goes in the first round. Like, anything's possible. You kick all those people out, I think the ratings tank. And I think what the, like, all the money that they think that they're going to make and what the ratings are going to be, I think they're in for a rude awakening because I think you're going to lose so many people that they're just assuming are going to transition over to the national games and when it becomes a more national sport. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good Go point. Um, I think too, I mean, you're talking about some of the schools that would get left out. I mean, what about if you're in, like in this, you know, supersized big 10, what if you're like a Maryland fan or a Rutgers mm-hmm. fan or, uh, you know, even somebody like Iowa, I mean, they've had success right now, but what happens when you're adding like USC and UCLA and if Oregon and Washington and Notre Dame and whoever else get out of the mix, that just knocks you further down the pecking order of the conference. So, you know, rather than like eight and four being the norm, what happens if it's like five and seven, you know, for, for some of these kind of mid-tier programs? I mean, eventually like apathy was set in to, mm-hmm. to those fan bases as well, even if you're still getting the big check from either the Big Ten or um, whatever the, you know, in the SEC, if you're Arkansas or South Carolina or, you know, whoever you want to throw in that example. I agree with that for sure. I think it's it's tough because like as it goes to the pro model, I feel like we we kind of can't see the different dominoes that also have to fall in terms of it being a pro model. Right. And I think that would include some sort of more even playing field and like maybe it's a salary cap or whatever you want to call that, that sort of, you know, what, what you can spend or whatever, whatever name. Oh, I'll push back against that. That's never happening. Like the difference with that is like, they would have to unionize and there would have to be uh, NIL regulations across the board and Congress would have to step in. The Wild Wild West is here to stay based on what I've like. I, I think the antitrust lawsuits and everything else. I don't think that would I, I don't think that's possible in college sports. So I don't. That, that, and that could be true. But I think you I think you're going to see just if we do just have these couple of power conferences like those teams are now do have more resources and are capable of being championship contenders. So I think just like the New York Jets are terrible every year, but their fans still care. Like, I mean, that could be the case with a, with a college program because, you know, you, you see the Bengals have the number one pick in the draft and then two years later they're in the Super Bowl. Like, you could see something similar with an Iowa or a Wisconsin or, you know, who else, Maryland, you want to throw in there that maybe with the resources being what they are, they're at least now more comparable to those big powers and you're you're one of them since you're in that conference and and maybe the – maybe the parody is, is a little more than we once thought. Maybe, maybe seven and three teams are winning conferences, you know, maybe eight and four teams are actually winning conference championships. And it, it looks more like the NFL and you don't have to be undefeated to be in the playoff. What do you think, Sam? I guess uh, I don't, it, you know, the more and more this becomes like the NFL, like what's kind of the breaking point where you just say, well, why don't I just watch the NFL then? Yes. And I think that's I think, what you're going to do. I think that's what's going to happen for a lot. I think of the us. breaking point is I think there is a lot of things we like about the college game that's different than the NFL game. That's the reason we kind of prefer Saturdays to Sundays. But I think the biggest thing that college has going for it is that the president of UGA isn't going to threaten to move the team. 
if he doesn't get a new stadium, right? Arthur Blank, yo, yeah, we were thinking of moving to London or L.A. maybe, you know? Okay, now I got that stadium. Yeah, we're going to be in Atlanta forever. We love this place, yada, yada, yada. Like, Mm -hmm. a college team is never going to leverage a fan base in that way. I think that's what all, I think that's what can always allow college to feel like a more part of the community, to feel like it's, it's like ingrained in the culture of this place because 50 years ago, the Braves weren't in Atlanta, right? Like the Braves have been around for 150 years. They played like six, five or six different cities. Like, Georgia football has been around for 150 years and it's been in Athens, Georgia all 150 years. So I think there is still something that college does have that the pro game can never replicate because pro sports are just corporate entities. And even though like college sports, it's getting more that way. I think there's still like a foundation that college has that the pro sports don't have. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like my, you know, my diploma says Florida state university. It doesn't, I don't have a piece of paper that says I'm a, you know, Eagles fan. So it's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hold on are you, you claiming know. are you going eagles over jags is the jag is that what it would say if you had a nfl fan thing would it be uh, i like both Jags? of them i mean i'm pretty yeah. casual nfl fan these days it's you know i'm i'm putting on red zone on on sundays I, there it is red zone's where it's at i can't do red zone yeah. I, I just i can't i'm not built like that red zone is not for me like it's just too i'm, much I'm emotionally on. invested on saturdays and then sundays i just want to be entertained i think that's probably how a lot of people are though 100 percent. i'm right there with like i can't get into one nfl game like i find myself monday night football like i don't i'm not as into monday night football. like i'm a huge nfl fan from 1 p.m. to like 6 p.m. on 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 Sunday, like, and I might even fall asleep at those four o'clock games if I'm just sitting around watching mm-hmm. football all day. You might just, you get comfortable on the couch, just fall asleep. Like Saturdays, I'm I'm hooked into any sort of game. Like I want to know everything that's happening. Football, it's like just give or Sunday, just give me a uh, give me a casual uh, viewing option. See, I and I love them all. And I when I say all, I mean high school too. Like I go to those Friday games and I cover uh, high school and I, I love interacting with these coaches and learning from them and watching these games up close. And it's different. The reason I like those three separate is that they're all extremely different. They're all so different so that you can get something else out of each kind of game in each kind of city. So if you go to a high school football game, you go to a college football game and an NFL game, it's all different experiences. You watch all three on TV. They're completely different experiences. But if the college football model loses what made it so unique and the play style and unique, like we will lose the air raid. We'll lose the Hawaii's and the Boise's and the triple option and the variety of what we liked about college is that like you could watch a West Virginia and Pat White at one moment and then you can watch uh, just Alabama's ground and pound if you want to do that. The NFL, it's pretty standard. Like a lot of folks, they run the same stuff and there's, I think there's like 17 people in the Shanahan coaching tree now that are either head coaches, have been head coaches. It's just a lot of zone scheme stuff. They're all running the same kind of thing. So I love the NFL too, but it's just, it it's just a lot of the same just with some superior athletes and unbelievable quarterback play that you just can't find anywhere else where it's just mesmerizing. Like there's nothing better than watch Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes go back and forth in an AFC championship game. Like that's absurd. AFC quarter uh, divisional game this past year. Like that was insane. It was literally who has the ball last and they unfortunately with the overtime rules, the bills just lost out because they didn't get the ball back. So 
that is why the NFL is king. Well, I mean, they changed. I mean, I think it, it, they just they, they did just change it. So both teams do get it now um, to start next year. But I I will say like that's the reason the NFL is king. Like you cannot replicate that kind of drama with two like the Brady versus Manning stuff. Like that is just what <laughs> it, it just can't be touched. Like nothing's ever going to touch that. Like everyone was watching Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes and completely locked in. That is a totally different thing. But that's not why you watch college football. You watch college football because you have some sort of emotional attachment or like I'm in the building and kneeling. and you could feel like it's a Coliseum, like you're at this crazy like an NFL game never feels like that outside of like the Packers or the Bills. It's like it's not the same like you're in there and it's absurd. It, the difference and the feeling. I got a question for you, Chase. Mm. What do you think about the state of college football right now as opposed to what it was 40 years ago? Like, do you think it's a better product now than it was 40 years ago? It's hard because, to say. Because Wasn't I alive. would argue that it that college football kind of has been watered down in the last 20 to 30 years because everyone and their mom has, has started a football program. Like, everyone has a football program. Like, mm-hmm. I just pulled up Tennessee's schedule from 1980. They opened with Georgia, then played USC, Washington State, at Auburn, at Georgia Tech, Alabama, Pittsburgh, Virginia, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Like, there's not there's not a cupcake on that schedule other than mm. Vanderbilt, but obviously you're still playing them every year. But I think the scheduling was, a, was just much more compelling back in the day before we just had all of these MAC and Sunbelt and – all these different conferences. Like, I think you you did see a lot more of the Power Five playing the power five. So while I was giving my doomsday prediction of just a, a power two, I, I, I would prefer we find a way for, to still have like 60 or so college football power five, whatever you want to call it, college football teams and like four conferences. I think that's the healthiest sport, but I, I don't think it's necessarily doomsday to get rid of these cupcake games because these games haven't always been around in college football anyway. That's interesting. I, I hadn't considered that. I mean, that's it seems like everything comes full circle. Like we talked about to start off with. It's like they reinvent divisions and conferences. It's like, oh, we're reinventing better schedules and no cupcakes. And we're getting that off the calendar. And we're going to downsize to make this all work. I don't know. I think by and large, it will survive. We'll get used to it. Like, I think what will really change it for me, if there was one thing that would change it is like, if the game day experience didn't feel like a college game day experience anymore, if like walking around campus and like attending games and like being around other fans and it didn't feel the same, that's when I would be like, man, this is so commercialized and this is so unplugged from the university where like if a lot of these guys aren't even in school and we're doing contracts and like they're not on class like i'm not seeing zakai ziegler around campus multiple times uh a summer like i am right now sam i I don't know if you mentioned like i've seen zakai ziegler like four or five times on campus and i we made eye contact finally this past time and i didn't know what to do so and i was like one of those i'm like does he notice that like we for whatever reason just run into each other a lot so i like did this weird wave and he was like it was it was just not great. Did not enjoy any of that. It was it was That's terrible. It was really <laughs> rough for me. Um, I didn't know what to do. But um, uh, that's like one of those things that's cool. It's like you see them just, they're kids. Like that's something that's cool is you just see them around campus. When you're in Tallahassee, I'm sure you're just like, oh, that's cool. He's just around. He's just, 
he's not like us because he is a superstar athlete and he's just uh he's playing college football at a power five school but game day at Tallahassee is why like you love that like you were getting up for it it was a big event you had friends family it's like this whole cultural thing so if you lose the culture on game day I think that's when it's just like man it's just not the same it's just not what college football is because it's not even about the games on television themselves if you're in the town it's about going it's about being around the other fans it's about the pageantry it's about the tailgating it's about uh hearing people in the background being like tennessee's beating georgia by 30 tonight and you're like hell yeah they are yeah we're gonna beat Georgia." like that's that's part of it you just what you I, I don't know i think that is that is a big part of it and as someone who's been in the building so much in the last two years i just that would supremely bum me out and i hope that they protect that at all costs but yeah, in I what mean, scenario oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i mean that's something that you know for for a long time, uh, when I was still going to more games, I mean, I was getting that experience each day. So it's, it's been a little different for me as a, as a fan is, you know, the last few years, I, I haven't attended any games in the last few years. I've, I've just been watching it on TV. So he's yeah, in Colorado so now, Matt, he moved away from that area. Yeah. Oh God. He's not, he's not still local to Florida and he's not just like, I'm not going until they fix this. The Travis Hunter <laughs> stuff, unacceptable. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to get to games now from mm-hmm. where I live. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely you know, I going to the games, it's that's that's a big kind of draw to the to the um, to the whole experience. It's not just going to a game, it's it's an event on, on game days. Well and I just I don't really foresee a scenario where it's no longer an electric campus atmosphere. I think mm. that's I think that's what college football always has always had over the NFL. It's just something about the atmosphere. And like I don't see like obviously you're gonna in in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, when <laughs> Wake Forest no longer has a, a power five football program, like, yeah, they're not gonna care about college football. I'm not sure how much they really care right now to begin with. Obviously, there's wow. some Wake Forest fans, mm-hmm. but it's not the same national brand as a lot of other schools in the ACC or nationally. But I don't see a scenario where you're walking in Knox, not down the street in Knoxville, Tennessee on a Saturday in the fall, and it's not just people lining the streets and everyone's just amped up for a college football game today. I think, I think that's just what, that's what, if the game is being played, the people will come. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a great atmosphere. And the BOLS is back. The people of, that aren't that aren't left out yeah and i'm worried about college baseball and college basketball and how this is all affected because as college baseball is just an absolute delight um man that was just this year in knoxville for the tennessee baseball team was just an experience i will never forget being at so many of just preposterous like it was I don't know, man. Like, I hope that's not changed where it's like, okay, we don't care about anything else. They're non-revenue. Like we're moving on. Like you're not getting any money. Cause like right now they're doing a lot of additions to Lindsay Nelson and we'll see if they keep pumping money. But like if all the focus shifts to the super league and football, 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 what happens to all the other sports? Because I like that there's variety and it's that I don't have to only live for Saturdays in the fall that like, it's fun. I can go watch Tennessee basketball and it's a good product. I can go watch Tennessee a baseball and it's a good product like women's basketball like it's all good all across the board and i hope that that's not left out in the cold too if like oh we're all football you, all the time 
Would you call Tennessee an everything school? You know, I might call them an everything school, Matt Green. I, everything people, but football. Um, <laughs> there we go. I, I'm telling y'all, like, 10 and 2 is not out of the question. Like, they're either – Tennessee is in a terrifying time, and we'll end here. There, because, there's more hope than what? Since, like, Fulmer was the coach? I mean, no, it's probably Butch. Maybe was, one of the Butch Jones Butch, years. Yeah, Butch got the people going. Mm-hmm. That whatever that year was when they had A and M was that 2016 when that A and M game when they were both like five and zero, five and zero, six and zero, or something. Yeah, uh, college or in a Kyle Field. Mm. That seems like the last time Tennessee was truly a contender. Like that was yeah. that was 2016, right? And it was the last time they had a big time quarterback like Dobbs. What like Hendon Hooker is that guy? And it's like if he puts up the same kind of TD like we talked about Sam guess how many programs were a top 10 offense in 2021 that uh did not win 10 games how many teams did not do it is, is one of the answers Tennessee they're the only team in the top 10 of offense last year who did not win 10 plus games so I if they're a top 10 offense again I just don't know if it's likely in a sport that is so defined by offense 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 if the tempo's there and Hooker's better, Tillman's better, and they're putting up 49 a night on everybody, like it's just they're going to win more games by math. Like they're just going to win more. And it's, I, I don't think they can really, really compete for a college football playoff or a championship or anything. But I think nine and three and 10 and two or injuries and they have a terrible setback season. They go six and six and then it's just madness. I think one of the two happened. I don't think the clean eight and four happens. I think it's either. A big leap to nine and three and ten and two, or a scary step back where teams around the SEC figure out the tempo and figure out this system and make it a really rough year for Tennessee. Like I think it's one of the two. Either Heupel's going to dictate what other teams do, and you're like, "This is my world now. I run this offense, and y'all are going to deal with it and hate life," or it's like, "Oh, we got to switch things up, and this is this is a problem." So I don't know. That's why they play the games on Saturday, as they say. Oh, see, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting viewpoint you have there, because I feel like most people would just consider Georgia and Alabama just automatic losses. Like I don't know mm. if that's true, but that's that's kind of what you're hitting at with the ten and two thing. Mm. But I I tend to think like we've talked about that magical five and zero start. Like if they can be five and zero and hosting Tus- uh, Alabama and Tuscaloosa, that's just going to be an electric atmosphere. I tend to think they'll drop one of those games, either to Florida or Kentucky or uh, LSU. I'm not really sure which one. But then it feels like they're going to drop like a a game they shouldn't, like a South Carolina, a a Missouri or something. They'll be like they'll be like one of their toss up games they lose. And then maybe maybe one of those games they just inexplicably shouldn't lose. And I feel like it's going to get them to a nice a nice clean eight and four. Where I just like, don't think it's going to go like progress. that. Maybe nine and four win the bowl game. I just, I don't know. I mean, nothing matters until the Florida game. Like I cannot wait for, to be in the building for that one. Just the, the unease. Cause I think they beat Pitt, but it's still getting through Florida until they get that monkey off their shoulder, like whatever monkey off their back. Like until that happens, Florida's owned Tennessee for 20 years. So if you're ever going to get over that and you're ever going to do it, it's at home against Florida in week four. Like that's it. Um, yeah, and then I think the negativity of the fan base will definitely, will do a U-turn if they lose to Florida this year. If they implode in the Florida game, because a lot of those games have been close and Tennessee's been the better program a lot of those years and they still just lose in horrific fashion. And if they do that this year with this Florida team and this change and where florida's at right now as a program 
I just it there's gonna be a lot of couches on fire in Knoxville, a lot of <laughs> a lot of boats on fire, uh, a lot of a lot of chaos. Um, so yeah, because they had the the Felipe Franks yeah. to Cleveland. Was that twenty seventeen? Something like that, that the last too. year of Butch Jones, and then there was the Antonio Callaway one. Yes, yeah, like that was the rough down. one. Yes, yes. There's definitely been some close heart, and then then you actually finally beat Florida. Then you drop a couple inexplicable games late, and still don't and win the, the East. Yeah, the the monkey's back on. Butch beat Georgia and Alabama in the same season, like that. Georgia happened, and Florida, or Georgia and Florida, excuse yeah. me, in the same year, and didn't win the East. That's all you need to know about <laughs> Tennessee sports in like the last twenty. Five years. star hearts, baby. Like that is uh, you fight like beating. Just imagining any Tennessee fan like beating Georgia and Florida the same year, and you're like you didn't win the SEC East. No, that that's what happened there. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Sam, this was great catching up, man. Um, I'm excited. Uh, see you. You will not be at the engagement party along with Matt. You'll be in Colorado, but uh, I think you'll be at the wedding. I think y'all will meet in person at the wedding potentially in uh, in September. Yeah, Good looking stuff. forward to it. Boy, was this a football season wedding? What is hold this? On. What is this hold going on. Hold on. Yeah, no. well, how did that how did that decision get made? Hold on. It got made because there were dates that I was okay with doing uh the wet. Like it it may or may not be a coincidence that the wedding is falling on the day that Tennessee hosts Akron at noon. Like it okay. may or may not, not have It's not the Florida weekend. What, what, uh, no, yeah, no, what, no, no. What date is this? Have, September have... 17th. Okay. We got Georgia at South Carolina at noon. I don't know. I'll see. I, I can work with you. <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's not. I was thinking good. about going to that game this year, and then it got South Carolina at noon. Like, that place is going to be hotter than the yeah, surface of the Yeah, it's going to be sun. hot as hell, man. Like, and actually, you know what's weird is the Tennessee-South Carolina game in the building for that one was extremely hot, and that's when we broke out the black uniforms was that one. It made no sense. You brought out the black uniforms well, for the scorcher it didn't matter. They stepped on uh, South Carolina's neck in the first quarter, and that was it. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> Akron. I, I think I can be pulled away, and I was. I'm good burning the Akron home game uh, for that one. I'm I'm okay with, with burning. Isn't there another like filler? Watch out for the zips. Oh, yeah, Jim Martin. Uh, they have you. They have Tennessee Tech or Martin, one of the two, uh, later this season. Uh, but it's just that one, Akron. Um, and then the opener, but that's Thursday night uh, against um, not Bowling Green. They played last year at Paul State um, on Thursday night. That's going to be fun. That was that's like a reoccur. Are they going to start doing that in the future? Where they play? Yeah, they're Thursday just owning night? that Thursday now, Games. basically, because no one else is on. So they just get the SEC network, and yeah. they just have this all eyes on them, and no one watches the Saturday nooner Tennessee Ball State. But people yeah, might they tune did in that, on Thursday. What last year and mm-hmm. um, wasn't the year. When they played App State, then that game was like really close. I think that was a that was a night game, yeah. Game as well. They almost lost that one. That was like the fumble out of yeah. the end zone thing. That, that was the. I think that was the season that yeah with Butch Jones when they had a, a lot of hype going into the season yes. and then it, it started off bad. Got and derailed like, in the season opener. Yeah, that was uh that was not great because that was the fumble out of the end zone. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I think it will be it'll be fun and like being in the building for the Joe Milton airmails last year in the opener just like oh my god but the arm the arm talent man joe milton has a cannon cannon and it just it's not Actually, all there. i just saw i saw yukon michigan is that day so i don't think i'm gonna be able to make it i can't i can't miss yukon michigan it's understandable it just means more up there um sam matt 
Thank you for making the time as always. Well, Matt, as always, Sam, as a guest appearance. A lot of fun catching up, my friend. And uh, I'll talk to you both very soon. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for the Thursday, July 7th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen. I greatly appreciate it whenever and however you listen to this very program here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, as always, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Helps other people fund the show, and it helps this very show continue to grow. Uh, jam-packed show for you guys tomorrow as well still a lot of content uh coming down the pike here this week and just big big plans for uh july and august and the rest of the summer just uh jam-packed jam-packed that i'm very excited to share with you all so uh look out for all that uh in the not too distant future and uh you know more content every day it's daily podcast chase almost podcast every single day blue wire pod youtube.com slash chase almost podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff uh, all right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>